Let's uh, let's pray real quick, and then we're going to uh, we're going to dive into uh, to playing a little bit of Jenga and, and doing the message. Jesus, we come before you, and all of us are in different places. Some of us we come in here, and our hearts are heavy because we know that we have been rebelling against you. We know that we haven't been honoring you. We know that we haven't been seeking. Ask that you would make known your grace to us this day, that you would remind us of your love. Some of us come with hearts heavy, and we ask that you would remind us of the comfort and the joy that you give, Jesus. Um, Some of us come and um, we're tired or we're apathetic, and we would ask that you would just remind us of the passion that's in you, Christ, that you are worthy of us giving up our lives. And so we need you, and we know that you are faithful to meet us right where we're at today. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Well, Jake and I are uh, are playing a little game of Jenga, and uh, and we have like have like five seconds to actually take a block and put it on top. And so um, you can root us on, you can challenge us, you can do whatever. But we're gonna play Jenga for just a little bit, and then I'm gonna show you how this actually has connections to the fifth commandment. So you can you can try to like figure out that piece of the puzzle while you're going, um, and we're gonna play Jenga. So. All right, let's go. You go. Go first. Ah. All right. Okay. Good. Good job. So. As uh, as Jacob's gonna clean these up, thank you, buddy. Appreciate you a ton. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about how in the world Jenga connects to Jenga connects to the fifth commandment. Part of the point when you're playing Jenga is that you you think and you're trying to figure out what is a foundational piece, right? The game is all about trying to figure out what piece is is important for the entire tower. Because if you if you guess wrong, right, like I did, if you guess wrong about what piece is important for the tower, then the entire tower falls. And, and what happens is that often you, you think that that piece really isn't that important. You think that, well, it's not that big of a deal, you know, and you pull it. And then when you pull it, everything collapses. Everything collapses. And can I tell you that the fifth commandment is exactly like that? Is it... Often people talk about and they say, well, you know, when you're talking about the Ten Commandments, well, I haven't committed adultery or I haven't lied or I haven't murdered anybody. But you kind of see them like skip over the Fifth Commandment. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, everybody dishonors their parents. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And so you kind of skip over it. But what you don't realize is that the Fifth Commandment is the is the piece that the entire rest of the six commandments towards it rest upon. It's that piece of the Jenga puzzle that you take out and you think it's harmless, but in taking it out, everything else collapses. Everything else collapses. And let me let me just kind of explain to you why, right? Why does the fifth commandment? And it says, if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus. Exodus twenty twelve. It says this: Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God, is giving to you. So the fifth commandment is about honoring our parents. 
And here's, here's why it's so important. Do you realize that in the home, that's the first place that you learn submission to authority? It's the first place that you understand obedience. It's the first place that you understand that there's something bigger than you, that you're part of a bigger whole. And you understand that those, those ideas, those ideas of submission, those ideas of obedience, those ideas of that there's something bigger than me, those are indispensable to your relationship with God. And I would say if you don't learn those in the home, if you don't understand what it means to submit to authority, if you don't understand what it means to honor, then you're going to be set back tremendously in your relationship with the Lord. Because in God, you run into the ultimate authority and that he knows best and he will honor you. Not only, not only do you, if you're not honoring the fifth commandment, will you not understand what it means to be in relation with God? But if you're not honoring the fifth commandment, you will not understand what it means for all kinds of relationships. You're going to be set back in your relationships with your future spouse. Because the way that you understand authority is going to be the way that you begin to interact with your future spouse or your current spouse. It's going to be how you parent. Um, not only this, but it's also going to affect all of society. You know, often we lament and we say, man, society is so broken. We look at all these problems and we get really critical of society. But the question is, why is society falling apart? Why are there things that are being destroyed? And society is only as strong as its smallest unit. And so the reason society falls apart is because the family is being torn apart. Is because honoring your father and mother has no meaning anymore. And because authority isn't respected or cared for. And so when you honor the fifth commandment, when you see why it is valuable, you help to support the entire society when a society does that. Not only this, but it also affects the church. You see, the church's witness often depends upon how children and how parents are relating to one another. And so when you have families that are disunified, when you have children that don't honor their parents and parents that aren't seeking to be honorable, you have families that are in chaos and the church's witness diminishes. And people say, why would I want to, why would I want to be a part of that? Right? They're just as dysfunctional there and, right? And they don't see the power of God working. They don't see his ability to change lives. Not only all this, but let me just appeal that there's a really selfish, there's a really selfish reason why you should obey the fifth commandment. You should obey the fifth commandment because it's good for your own soul. You see, often we say, I don't really like authority, but here's the thing. All of us, all of us are under authority, whether you like it or not. The question is, whose authority are you going to be underneath? Because while you're in the home, while you're, if you're a child and you're in the home, you can say, I'm either going to obey God's authority and as he's given that to my parents, or you'll say, listen, I'm going to obey my own authority because everybody's under authority. It's either whether you're going to submit to your authority of your own life, whether you're going to submit to God's authority and the authorities that he has placed in your life. And if you don't submit to the authority that God has placed in your life, let me just tell you, it will begin to breed pride. It will begin to breed arrogance in you. Because you will say, listen, they don't really know what they're doing. They don't really know what they're talking about. I do. And do you understand that those choices may seem very insignificant when they start? Right? It may seem, well, my mom doesn't really know. Like, I want to go to this movie. Or, you know, my parents really don't understand. And so, and we just, we rationalize our disobedience. We rationalize and we trivialize it. We make it very small. But what you don't realize is that when you ingrain that pattern, that's going to carry over and it's going to have massive effects on your soul and on the way you operate with everyone because you will begin to be puffed up 
and you'll begin to be selfish because the entire world begins to revolve around you because you know what's best for your life and nobody else really does. And so I hope that you see that the fifth commandment isn't something that's just arbitrary. God wasn't deciding, no, I guess I'll just throw this one in to give them, you know, to give them trouble. But it affects everything. It affects your relation with God. It affects your future relation with your children or your spouse. It affects the entire society and the church. Not only this, but it affects your soul. It affects your soul. So the fifth commandment isn't something that's, it's not something that's trivial. I want to make some observations real quick about the fifth commandment. And uh, just so that we get some backdrop and so that we understand it a little bit more. The Ten Commandments are broken up into two sections. So you have one through four, right? And they're all about our relationship with God and worshiping him. You know, you have put honor the Lord and, and put him first. You know, you shall not make a, a graven image. You shall you know, take the Lord's name in vain. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And, uh, and you shall keep, checking if you're listening, and you should keep the Sabbath. Right, and so all of these, all these talk about our relationship with the Lord, and the last, the last six talk about our relationships with one another. Talk about our relationships with one another, and just as the first commandment that you should put the Lord first, and you know, first and only was our big idea there. That is the foundation, right? It's the foundation that we build the rest of the commands on. So the fifth commandment of honoring your father and your mother is the foundation upon which you shall not commit adultery, you shall not lie, you shall not covet. You should, all these things, all those rest of the commandments are built upon the fifth commandment. It is the foundation that they rest upon. Calvin, Calvin says this. He says the first foundation of righteousness is the worship of God. When this is overthrown, all the remaining parts of righteousness, like the pieces of a shattered and falling building, are mangled and scattered. Apart from the God, men do not preserve equity and love among themselves. Therefore, we call the worship of God the beginning and foundation of righteousness. What Calvin is saying here is he's saying that your vertical relationship with God will dictate your horizontal relationship with everybody else. That when you put God first, it is going to flow out into your relationships with other people. Anybody have those old toys called slinkies? Anybody remember those things? I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to, where I actually had one of those, but I remember back in the day before you had cell phones and technology and all that kind of stuff, you know, hours of entertainment with a slinky. And so you would you would get the slinky, right? And what do you do? You put it on the steps, and then you kind of put the first part down, right? And you put that first part down, and what happens? It naturally carries over, right? That back end goes, and then it pushes again, right? And so it walks itself down the stairs. Do you see that this is exactly how the commandments operate? That if you put God first, if you are honoring him, if he is the reason and, and the purpose of your worship in your life, the rest of them will follow. Honoring your father and mother, loving others, all of these things that dictate our relation with one another, they will follow. And it will then propel us even further into worship with God. It will, it will spring itself back to where then we worship God again. So I hope you see that the commandments operate they operate like that. Another thing that we can note about the fifth commandment is that it talks about honor. And what does this word mean? What does honor mean? The word is kavod and actually talks about God's glory. And so the word means to be weighty or to be heavy. And so ways that we honor is that you're called honor means that you respect, 
right? You can't honor someone if you don't respect them. It also means that you submit. You don't say that I honor someone and then you listen to what they say and you say, oh, I'm not going to do that. So honor means to, to submit to someone. It also means that you love them and that you're thankful for. You don't see someone that really honors someone else and they talk behind their back and they you know, talk trash about them. Honoring means that you're thankful for and you appreciate and you show your thankfulness for them. The, the, the commandment is both positive and negative. And so to honor your parents also means that you're not dishonoring them, that you're not disrespecting them. Another thing that we can uh, another thing that we can note about the command is that it says that we are to honor both our father and our mother. Right? It doesn't just say honor your father, but honor your father and your mother. This is extremely important. Why? Because God created the family. God designed that there would be a man and a woman, and that these two would come together, and that they would be one. And this is so, so vital because it shows both the unity and diversity of God. And what do I mean by that? I mean that God is three, but he's also one, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we believe in the Trinity. But God, while being three, he's also one. And so why did God create the family? I mean, God could have, as weird as it is, God could have made one person and just made that one person continue to replicate by themselves. You know, we think of that like really odd now, but... God could have made it that way, and we wouldn't have known any different. So why why did God choose to have a woman and a man, and from that, bring forth new life? Because it demonstrates what he's like. The family is meant to demonstrate what God is like in his character. You see, a family is meant to show what it means to live underneath God's righteous rule and reign of love. You have both diversity in the two sexes, but you have unity as they come together as one. This is why it's so important that, that children are brought forth in a marriage, in covenant. Because if you have children that are brought forth in a relationship that isn't one that's based on covenant, they're not raised in a secure place. They're not raised in a place where they know that, I, that my parents actually don't love one another enough to where they will give their entire lives to each other. It's not only that they're uh, that they're to be in covenant, but they're also to show that this is the family is a place where they give guidance and care and love. It's from this it's from this mutual submission, this mutual honoring of one another, that new life can be brought forth. And this is why God gives God gives a man and woman the ability to be procreators. Right? Is that the family gets to participate and and be like God in that manner? is that God helps them to bring forth new life, to steward, to care for, to honor, all of these things. This is, this is exactly why, um, this is why the scriptures talk about that same-sex attraction isn't biblical. Same-sex marriage is not what God has designed, right? Because God made a man and a woman to come together to love one another. And he, and he says that these differences in the sexes actually show God's differences and his unity. And so same-sex attraction, and, and for those that are struggling with same-sex attraction, for those that have, that have hurt in this, the church has got to be a place where there's love and there's grace, but there's also truth. Because you have these two errors is that people say, we're, we're so gracious that we will never speak the truth. And you have people that are said, well, we're just all about truth, and so there's no grace. And you must understand that there's both. Is that God designed those those two to come together. 
for a man and a woman, not for, for two men or two women. And so for those that are struggling with same sex, please come and be part of the community and know that God has a purpose and God can bring healing and restoration and that you're valued and you're loved. Other results of the fall, because the fall has affected, I hope you see that the fall has affected our understanding of the family drastically. The family, as the way God intended it, um, is, has been distorted and has been corrupted by sin. Sometimes it's not just our sin, right? Sometimes it's just the sin of the culture. And, and so part of the way that we see that is that we have single parents, right? And sometimes it's not any fault of, of their own. It's not that they made a mistake. It's because for some reason maybe the loved one passed away or maybe there was an accident or maybe something happened. You know, we have adoption, you know, where, where biological children are not, you know, are not raised within their own families, you have all these things which are results of the fall, but not necessarily results of someone's, some person's sin that is this carrying that on. And I want you to know that this command still talks to you because you play the role of a parent. And so here this God's heart is so near and so close to those that are weak and to those that are hurting. The Old Testament talks about that God is the father of the fatherless. That for those who are orphaned and those that are widowed, God comes so close to your heart and that he will bring grace and he will bring wisdom even in the midst of times where you don't think you have it. I can't imagine, for those of you that are, that are single parents, just the hardship and, and the hurt that can happen, but know that God is there to help you, to bring strength, to bring provision to your life. And that it takes a village to raise a child. That the church, God made the church to be a place where people come and they have support, and they have love, and they have encouragement. You see, the Bible knows no idea of raising your child in isolation from community. You are to raise your children up in community with other people so that they might understand what it means to love and to serve, to see people in all stages of life. And so allow the church to come alongside you, to encourage you, to love you, to give you rest in times where you're tired and you're burdened. You know, to speak love and encouragement in times where you're just downtrodden and you feel like you've, you've had enough. So I hope you see that God has a design for the family. He made it a certain way and he knows what he's talking about. And so if we submit to him, he will lead it and he will guide it. Um, other parts, other observations that we can make about the fifth commandment is that it has a promise, right? It says it's the first command with a promise. And the promise is this that we will live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So this doesn't mean that you're about to inherit 100 acres. Um, so it doesn't mean that you're going to get land. But what it, what it does mean is it's, it's more like a proverb, right? It's more like a maxim. And for those of you who don't know, the proverbs are full of, of wisdom, right? They give you these precepts and they say, this is, this is generally how it works. Let me give you an example. So Proverbs 15.22, it says this. It says, without counsel, plans fail. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. So, so is, you know, is, is he saying that if you don't have counselors, all of your plans are always going to fail? No, he's not. He's not saying that, like, that every time you don't ask somebody about something you're going to do, that your plans are going to fail. What he's saying, he's saying this is generally how it works. This is, this is wisdom, that if you want to make a wise decision, you should probably assort with other people that are wise. You should probably talk to other people and seek their counsel. You know, so it's not a, a promise that guarantees that this is exactly what happens every single time. He's saying that this is a general truth that applies and that if you will listen to it, it will bring wisdom into your heart 
and it will make you a person of wisdom. Right? And that's, so that's how the Proverbs work. And I want to tell you that this end of this promise, it operates like that. It says that if you listen, if you honor your father and mother, that you will live long in the land. So, so what is that, what is that saying? It's, uh, it's saying that, uh, that if you listen to your parents, you might not die. Right? That they're, they have some wisdom that might help you live a couple years longer than what you're living currently. It's not a guarantee that every child that obeys this command is going to live to 120 years, right? For all kinds of reasons, the fall has affected our ability to, to live long. And so children die at young ages because of no fault of their own, because our, we live in a world that's corrupt and it's broken, right? But it teaches that if you will obey and you'll listen to your parents, you can gain experiences that you never went through, right? And how valuable is that? How valuable is it to gain experiences and to gain wisdom that you never had to walk through. But some of us have to do it the hard way, right? Some of us are like, that's me. I had to do the hard way. And I remember one of my earliest, uh, one of my earliest acts of disobedience. I was probably four or five. And, uh, we had a, in my first home I lived in with my parents, we had this two, uh, staircase area and there were railings all along it. And so I was four or five and, I don't know what got in my head, but I was like, you know, I bet my head could fit through that. And so, and so I was like kind of just playing with the idea, you know, like kind of putting my head a little bit in, like popping it out. And my dad was like, Trevor, don't do that. You know, like don't do that, man. And like, and I was just like, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm disobedient. And so I popped my head into the railing only to find that I couldn't get it back out. <laughs> and so I kind of was like, it was kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, I can like put my head in. And I was like, and I can't get out. And so after my parents had a pretty thorough laugh at me, they greased me up with baby oil and popped my head back out. Um, and I think all of us, all of us have those, you know, all of us have those times, all of us have those stories where it's, it's kind of funny, you know, we did something stupid and, and it's, it's humorous, but there are also the times where, where we've disobeyed and it's serious and it could have cost us our lives. And you see that this is why God has given authority to parents Right? This is why parents of young children are saying, hey, don't put your hand in the socket. Don't touch the hot stove because you might not have a hand anymore. You know, Don't run in front of the, the street because a car will make you a pancake. Um, so you have all these things that, that parents, parents know and they instill that children might gain wisdom without actually having to go through what the parents went through. And it says this in, in Proverbs 3, 1 through 4, and it talks about this. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. If you will submit and will honor your parents, you can gain so much wisdom and you can gain so much life experience. It will save you from so much hurt and so much heartache if you will use it. Even now, for most of us that our parents are older, we often don't listen and don't want to care about the wisdom that they have gained through years of life. And what arrogance, what pride, should we not rather realize that there is much that we have to learn and instead of talking often, listen more. God would have us to learn from those that are older than us. Another observation that we can make on the fifth command is that it stands for a whole category of sins. Right? So just as 
we say thou shalt not murder, and murder is probably like the top sin. It's like the top category. And when it says don't murder, it also means let's do this. Let's switch it. Yep. I know that's probably distracting for everybody else just as much as it is for me. This stands for a whole cat. This stands for a whole category of sins. Um, just as just as murder is a top category, and it stands for if you were to have anger, if you were to have rage, or if you have bitterness, that's also included in this. So too. When it says honor your father and mother, it also means that you are to honor the authority that God has placed in your life, right? And this is primarily seen through your parents because your parents have authority over you for probably 18 to the first 20-something years of your life. And so God's authority is seen primarily in your life through your parents when you're younger, but it's not the only way that it's seen. For those of you that you've been out of the parents' house for a while, you have all kinds of different authority that God has given to you. God has given the government over us to have authority. Whether you like it or not, whether you're saying, I love the government, whether you're saying, I can't stand it, God has given them authority for a reason or for a purpose. And so are we honoring them? Or do we continue to talk bad and continue to badmouth? Do we not honor the authority that God has placed in our life? Not only this, but he's given us bosses. Most of us work underneath someone. And so are we honoring those that are over us, our employers, or do we, when we get away from them, do we bad talk about them? Do we talk behind their back? Do we actually encourage them and seek their benefit and seek their advancement and their, their goodwill? This, but also elders. Do we, as, as a church, do we understand that we're called to submit underneath the pastors that God has given to us? One of the primary ways, wives, that this is seen is that do you honor and do you respect your husband? Wives, if you, if you want other people, if you want your children especially, to understand what it means to honor you, to honor others, are you modeling that in the home? Do you honor and do you respect and do you submit to your husband? Hebrews 13, 7, talking about honoring our pastors, honoring elders, it says this. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no that would be of no advantage to you. Authority in all of our lives, we have a choice how we deal with it, right? We can either see this as oppressive or as ungodly, and we can refuse to submit to any kind of authority, and then we're submitting to our own authority, or we can say, listen, God's authority is expressed through all these different areas. Because let me just say this, if you're not submitting to the authority in your life that you can see, you are not submitting to the authority in your life that you can't see. Right? You can't see God. God is a spirit and he expresses his authority through means. He expresses his authority and his, you know, his power through people. Right? He's given people over us that we might learn what it's like to be in a relationship with him. Now, I'm sure at this point a lot of you have like a big you know, accept me or but or you don't know my situation. You don't know the authority that I'm dealing with, Trevor, because if you knew the authority that I was dealing with and you would say, I take all of it back. And, and so how do we deal with authority? How do we deal with people when they're ungodly? How do we deal with authority when maybe they're not ungodly, but maybe they're just foolish, right? Maybe they're just not wise. So I want to talk first. How do you deal with authority when it's ungodly? You guys remember the story of Daniel? So Daniel um, was in exile, and he was taken to, uh, to Babylon, and he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. He was 
one of the brightest, most intelligent um, people within Israel, and they took him to serve by the king's side. Now, King Cyrus came uh, later on, and he made an edict. He made a decree, and he said that everyone will pray to me. And if anyone prays to another god, lowercase g, besides me, then they will be killed. Well, the first thing that Daniel did is that he went to his place where he already consistently prayed. He would pray in front of his window every day. And right after this edict was was enforced, the first thing that Daniel did was he went up as it was his normal ritual, and he prayed. And everyone saw him, and the people that were trying to trap Daniel and enslave him called him out, and they reported him to the king. And the king, King Cyrus, came and lamentedly, you know, because he was under law too, he threw Daniel into the lion's den to be devoured and to be eaten alive. But what happened, right? We know the other side of the story is that God honored Daniel and that he survived, right? The lions, though hungry and though, you know, wanting to devour, didn't. He shut the mouths of lions. Why? Why? Because Daniel honored the right authority. Daniel honored the right authority. You see, when authority comes in contrast with God, it ceases to be authority in our life. God's authority is what reigns supremely. And so if you have authority over your life that says, listen, going to church, can't do it. They don't reign. God reigns. And so in that point, you submit to the higher authority because you know that he is the one who truly has power. When authority tells you, listen, you shouldn't pray. Don't give your finances here. You know, um, don't get time in the word. It's really trivial. They lose, right? They lose. God wins every time. Why? Because are you are we scared more of men or are we scared more of God? Do we fear man or do we fear God? Who you fear and what you want approval will will dictate how you live and how you react to different kinds of authority. So maybe your authority, though, maybe it's not ungodly and it's not maybe that clear, right? For for most of us, I'm sure it's not that black and white. You're kind of saying, Trevor, it's a little bit more gray for me. How do I operate in the environments where maybe there, there are times where they're ungodly, but, man, they're just foolish. They just don't do wise things often. And so what I would tell you is that God has given us minds. He's given us abilities, and we are not just to blindly submit to authority, but rather we are to seek to help authority in our lives. We are to seek to encourage that authority. We are to seek their benefit. And so if someone is doing something foolish, then help. Be wise. Speak Cautiously. <laughs> Don't and, and listen, the motive with which you speak will determine often the response that you get. Because when someone is doing something foolish and you come to them in pride and you say, Well listen, I know you didn't see this, but I saw this, and obviously you're you know, you're ignorant or obviously you don't get this, and you come with that attitude, even though you might not say those words, you come with that attitude, I guarantee you it would have been much better if you had just shut your mouth. But if instead you come to the Lord in prayer and you allow him to change your heart, you allow him to purge and to cleanse your motives that you might have his heart, then you can genuinely come to the authority in your life and you can love them. And you can say, I don't think this is wise because I don't think this is actually going to help you. I don't think this is going to help others. And if they don't listen, if they are doing something that's foolish but it's yet not ungodly, you are still to submit. You are still to submit. Why? Because submitting to authority makes us more like Jesus. It makes us, informs us more like Christ. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 21, it says this. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. 
wait, not not just to those that are good, not just to those who, you know, are, are awesome and are godly and are selfless, but he says also submit to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. When you submit to authority, even though it's unjust, even though it is foolish, it trains you to become more like Christ. And it, and I can tell you, if you do this, God will bring fruit out of it. Do you, re, do you know why the early church spread so far? It's because they gave their lives up. And even when they were in authority, they, they were to be killed for worshiping Jesus. And they didn't deny it. They didn't go back on authority and said they submitted themselves to it and saying, listen, if this is God's will, I will submit the authority that God has placed in my life and I will face death. God has given authority in our life that we might submit, that we might show the good news of grace and of love and forgiveness to others. So we, I want to do real quick, we've talked about a lot, right? We've talked about a lot. We've talked about why we should obey the fifth commandment, that if you obey the fifth commandment, that you're going to understand what it means to be in relationship with God. You're going to understand what it means to be in relationship with your future spouse, how to even parent. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's going to seek the good of the church and of the society. And not only this, but it's good for your own soul because it will ingrain characteristics of humility within you that will keep you from being pride, being full of pride and of selfishness. We've talked about a lot of observations that God knows what he's doing when he made the family. Um, we talked about that honoring means to submit. It means to obey, Right. I want to switch now, and I want to talk about how, right? We talked about the why. We talked about observations, but how in the world are we to honor our parents, right? What does it practically, what does it practically look like? So I want to break this up into two different people. For those of you that are actually still in the home, which I look around and it's minority, but for those of you that are children and you are still in the home, let me give a couple suggestions about what it actually means for you to honor your parents. The first one obey, right? Actually obey your parents. It's, it's mind blowing. I know, but honoring them looks like actually doing what they say rather than saying, well, they don't really know. I'm going to do what I want to do. So honoring your parents looks like actually obeying what they say. Second thing is don't criticize and talk behind their back. When you go and you go and hang out with your friends, what do you, how do you speak of your parents? Because the way that you speak of your parents behind their back will build a habit in you that will probably be the way that you speak about your spouse behind their back. And so how are you honoring those that are closest to you? Because how you do that will set a precedent in almost all your other relationships. Don't criticize them. Don't talk about, about them behind their back. But seek to encourage them. Seek to speak well of them. Inform them of your life. Right? Half the time, you know, parents have no idea what children what's going on in their children's life because their children just keep everything as a secret. You know, they don't want to know. Make an effort to actually open up your life with your parents. Actually tell them. I know it probably gets repetitive saying, how was today? And you're like, I don't even want to talk about it. It was good. And you just keep going by. But try to make an effort. Try to actually say, you know, tell them one good thing about how your day went. Inform them. Let them know about what's going on in your life. The next thing is love and show them grace. 
right? Is often children interact with their parents and they don't understand that their parents are just as broken as they are, that they have just, they're sinful too. And so when you're operating with your parents, show them grace, show them love, just as you want those same things too. Give them grace, abundant grace. So for I think those are some things, if you're in the home, what it looks like for you to honor your parents. If you're outside of the home, right? If you're, you know, you've been out of the home for a while, you're living on your own, this commandment still pertains to you. It still operates, but it looks differently, right? I mean, it looks it looks differently. You're not waking up at 6, having your mom wake you up and make you breakfast or whatever like that anymore, hopefully. Um, and so this commandment, you know, of what it means to honor your parents looks a little different if you're outside of the home. But... If you're out of the if you're out of the home, let me let me suggest a couple things. The first thing is don't don't abandon your parents. As your parents get into old age, don't abandon them. Don't say, well, good riddance for you. I'm going to live my life and have fun. I'll let you you know just sit over there and rot away in a retirement home. Do you actually care for your parents? Look after them. Seek their good. Now. Some people like retirement homes. There are some some people that are like, I love arts and crafts, and they want to go to the retirement home, and so that's great for them, you know. But don't visit them, <laughs> visit them, engage with them, be with them. Don't just leave them alone and say good riddance, you know. So so don't abandon your parents. Don't abandon them. Another huge thing is if you're out of the home, seek their advice. And you know how honoring a, a father feels? I know, I know my dad feels so honored. And he tells me when I call him, and I'm like, hey, dad, what do you think about this? You know, I'm going through this right now. I have this kind of circumstance. What do you think about this? And I know for, for many of you that might be hard because you're like, Trevor, you don't know my parents. I can't really, I can't really call my parents and do those things. But, man, if there are ways that you can, finding those ways that you can find commonalities, that maybe their wisdom will, will pour into your life because they will feel honored by that. They will feel honored by you calling and by you saying, hey, what do you think about this? And you're actually helping them to become a better parent. You're actually helping them to be the role that God has given them to be. So seek their advice. And it promotes you from being arrogant and thinking, I don't need anybody else. So seek their advice. Ask their input. And the last thing I would say is express your thankfulness. Express your thankfulness because your parents gave you birth. Not only that, but they, they spent probably a long part of their life raising you and pouring into you, whether that's your biological parents or whether it's other family members. Do you express thankfulness to them? Do you say thank you for all the time, all the energy, all the resources that you poured into my life? I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you, even, even in the hard times of saying, I know that there are some times where you messed up. I know there are some times where you didn't do things perfectly, but I'm still thankful because God still used you in my life. Express that to them. I, I hope one of the takeaways is that today you will go and you will talk to your parents. You'll talk to your father and your mother, and you will get some time to express your thankfulness for them. You know, and, it, and for those of you that your parents have, have passed, and express thanks for your Heavenly Father because ultimately all of these things are good gifts from Him. Right? All of this stems from God. And so we must realize that He is our Heavenly Father, and we must give Him thanks and give Him praise. So, there's another part of this command. As it talks, the command specifically talks to children, right? It says children, you know, it's children, honor your, your father and mother. But there's another big question, and there's another big aspect to it. Parents, are you seeking to be honorable? Because, right, it's it's the parents' job to disciple your children, right? It's The church's job is not to disciple your children. Your job is to disciple your children. You are the ones that are pouring in, that are raising up, that are encouraging, that are supporting your children, right? And so... 
how are you helping them to obey God's commands? Parents, how are you practically helping your child obey the fifth commandment? And one of the ways that you can do that is actually be honorable. You know, it makes it a lot easier for your children to honor you if you are seeking to be an honorable parent, if you're seeking to be above reproach, if you're seeking to live out your priorities. Can I tell you one of the primary ways that I think children honor their parents is when they see their parents living out their priorities, right? When, when parents are actually living out the priorities that they tell their children, when they're living it out, that naturally will begin to breed a respect and an honor of, of the parent. So when you say that put God first, do your children see you putting God first or do they see hobbies getting priority? Do they see work? Do they see friends? Do they see entertainment? What, what's actually priority in your life? Where's your time going to? Where are your resources going to? Because here's the thing. Children often don't do what you say, but they'll do what you do. Children often follow the example of their parents rather than what their parents says. And so are you living out your priorities? Are you seeking to put God first? And listen, all of us fail, right? So this isn't a guilt trip. This isn't saying, man, I'm just racking my mind about all of these things where I've let my children out, all these things. Listen, there's grace, but there's also repentance, right? We turn from sin that is killing us and is harming our relationship with our children, is, is hurting them from obeying the commands that God has given to us. We repent, we turn from them. So are you honoring your priorities? Are you putting God first? Not only that, but are you, are you putting your spouse before your children? And this is honestly, this is something that I think our, the Christian church has made very, very acceptable is that I live for my children. My children are my life and all of these things. Listen, your children are going to grow up very selfish and very prideful because they think the world revolves around them. Really? I mean, they think the whole family unit revolves around them. Put your spouse before your children because it helps them to, to, to realize, listen, they're not the center of the world and they're not the center of your world. And for crying out loud, they shouldn't be the center of their own world. And so it helps them to realize that, listen, there's something bigger than, than me, and I'm a part of this bigger whole. And so love your spouse. And, and that's really one of the best ways because when you love your spouse and you're spending time with them, you're teaching your children how to love their future spouses. You're teaching your children how to honor others. And so, man, one of the best things and one of the best advices for parenting that I've ever heard coming from the single guy that has no children is, is, to, is to actually love and serve your spouse. And the next thing, do you spend time with your children? Do you actually play with them? Do you actually love them? Do you love your children, really? Or would your time rather be spent in other ways? Because allow God to give you the heart to love your children, to care for them. They know it when you love them. What comes across with people is how you feel about them. And so if you love your children, it will begin to come across. Ask them questions. Engage with them. Figure out how you can meet them on their level. So parents, that's one of the big ways that you can be honorable. Another way, I know this kind of sounds contrary, but another way that you can be honorable is by actually disciplining your children. All right, the Bible says that if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. I can tell you that often the reason that children don't honor their parents is because their parents seek to be their friends and not their parent. And so are you disciplining your children? And it matters so much how. Because if you discipline your children the wrong way, they're going to be raised up bitter and, and they're going to be harsh and they're not going to respond well. But instead, if you, if you raise up your children within the discipline of the Lord and you don't try to control their behavior, right? I've seen, I worked at Canna Cook. I've worked with a lot of youth ministry, you know, like since I graduated high school, 
you know, and so I've seen a lot of families come through in camps. I've seen a lot of families come through in youth groups. And, and one of the things, um, one of the things that I, I, uh, sorry, one of the things that I see a lot is that, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. One of the things I see a lot is that often parents try to control children's behavior and they don't go for their heart. Why, why, why is it that children disobey? Is it their circumstances? Is it other people? Is it all these problems outside? Or is it because they have a sinful heart? You see, children, just as much as us, have a sinful and selfish heart. Right? You don't have to teach a two-year-old to say me or mine. Right? They say that pretty naturally. And so you realize that the reason children don't obey is because they have a sinful, selfish heart. And so controlling their behavior you know, and saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, actually isn't helping them. That if you do that, it's going to, it's, they might realize that I obey the rules, but their heart is going to be far from it. And so when you're disciplining your children, ask and go for the motive. Why are you doing this? What are you hoping to gain? What, were you, what really matters to you? Because when you do that, you're exposing their heart and you're helping them to see that their motives are what's wrong. And then you can lead them back to Jesus. And you say, you know, do you think it's really good that what you really wanted was that block or what you really wanted? Was it really that important that you needed to hit your sister over the head with that block because you wanted it? You know, and hopefully the answer is no. (laughs) Or else then you you talk about, well, Jesus, you know, and and then you get to lay out the gospel and you get to talk about those things. And listen, it's not the quickest approach, right? Behavior, controlling behavior seems a lot quicker. But if you go after the heart, you're going to produce character. And that character will last a lifetime. And their heart will be near and, and dear to Christ. Go after their heart. And and your your children will know if you love them. Because if you love your children, you'll discipline them. And your motive will be love in it. You do it you'll do it clear, calm, and you'll do it consistently. You'll consistently do that. And you'll teach them that your love for them isn't built off of their behavior. Because what I see a lot is that parents discipline their children. And then, like, the, the kid knows, don't go around dad for the next day, you know? Or, like, mom's not going to talk to me for three days now because she's mad at me, you know? And so what they begin to associate is that they begin to associate my behavior with love and acceptance. And then they think that that's the way that operates with God. That, well, if I've been a good Christian today, if I've gotten in the Bible and I've really done all these good things, then God loves me a lot today. You get to model God to your children, and you get to model discipline to them. And you say, listen, what you did isn't okay, but I love you, and I accept you. And your love and acceptance isn't based on your behavior, but instead it's based on grace. Just as, just as all of us are our Heavenly Father's children, and our acceptance, and our, like our Heavenly Father loves us, not because we've been obedient or because we've been good, but because, because of Jesus, because we place faith in Jesus, and because he loves us and gives us grace. So I want us to, to wrap up as the worship team comes up. I want to wrap up by asking this last question. How, how does this, how does the fifth commandment show us Jesus? Right? Where do I see, where do I see good news in this commandment? One of the ways that we see the good news here is that from the beginning, right, you open up the Bible and you have Genesis. The first children we have are Adam and Eve, right? God created Adam and Adam is called his son, right? God is, is a child and a son of God. And the first thing that we see is that Adam disobeyed, right? Adam didn't submit and didn't honor God's authority in his life. The next picture that we have is Israel. God made a nation, and 
And the Bible says that Israel was his firstborn son. But yet, once again, Israel failed. Israel didn't honor God. They didn't submit to God. They didn't respect God, and they disobeyed, and they fell away. Now you have Jesus, and Jesus comes on, and he does what none of us could ever do, is that he honors his heavenly Father perfectly. He submits to him perfectly. And the amazing thing about this is that through faith, he gives us his obedience, right? And this, this makes such a difference in your life because when you realize that your acceptance with your heavenly Father isn't based on your obedience, but it's based on Jesus' obedience, Man, that frees you from so much guilt and so much condemnation that you will walk in on a daily basis. Because if you think that your obedience, if you think your obedience leads to God's acceptance, then you will be up and down, up and down, up and down. When I have good days, then I feel great because I feel like me and God are really close. When I have bad days, man, I'm just destroyed because God couldn't possibly love me. But if you realize that like Jesus' obedience, his perfection is given to you. And so when God sees you when you're in Jesus, he sees perfect obedience. He sees perfect submission. He sees perfect honoring of him. Then that allows you to operate under grace. And if you're operating under grace, then you're going to begin to show grace to other people. And I hope for children and parents, I hope you realize that God's grace includes parenting mess-ups. Right? That, that at times when you haven't parented well, at times when you failed children, at times when you don't honor the authority in your life, God's grace covers that. But it also challenges us to change. It challenges us to repent, to not do the same thing over and over again. Why? Because we know the one that loved us enough to give up his life is honored with that. And we don't want to hurt him. We don't want to hurt Christ who gave his life for us. And so we change, we repent. I hope that you will accept that grace, that you will walk and live in that grace, and it will change the way that you live and you operate with other people around you. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you will teach us to parent. You teach us to honor you primarily as our Heavenly Father. Help us, God. You know the authority in our life that often uh, we struggle with it, God. We struggle to honor and to submit to authority. Um, and it's because we have sinful and selfish hearts. And so I pray that you would continue to renew our hearts, Lord, that in Christ we have been given a new heart. And so teach us to honor our father and mother. Teach us to seek to be honorable. We love you and we praise you, King Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.